Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. John, I know one of the areas that uh, I, I always struggled with in pastoral ministry was the, the sense of keeping everything going in my life, in my ministry, giving, kind of giving everything its proper attention. And I remember I always felt this tension in me between getting my ministry life in order uh, and, and in balance with my personal life. But I was always frustrated that it, it seemed like I'd get everything together in my ministry life and my personal life would be a mess. And then I'd work hard to get everything together in my personal life and my ministry would fall apart and uh, be neglected. And it was really an epiphany to me when I discovered that the key wasn't trying to balance everything or to, to keep all the plates spinning, but to find alignment, which I think is a much better concept and a healthier concept, to find alignment among all the areas of my life. And that's what we're exploring today. Yeah, Tom, I got to tell you, when I was going through burnout, discovering the idea that uh, my ministry can flow out of who I am and who God's made me to be uh, was just a profound uh, discovery for me. Today, we have a very special guest who is going to talk about what it means to lead from alignment. John Opelewski has served as an associate pastor, a multi-site campus pastor and lead pastor, and he's held multiple leadership roles in the business world. John's experience as a leader in both church and business arenas has made him a sought-after international speaker, consultant, and mentor. John co-hosts a podcast called Leading from Alignment, and he has authored uh, several books, including Pastor Disaster, which is about confronting a growing crisis among church leaders, Unshakable You, uh, which is about the choices that emotionally healthy people make, and his newest book is Unshakable Leader, uh, which is about this idea of alignment. In uh, 2013, John and his wife, Laura, founded Converge Coaching to help pastors grow and lead from alignment. So John Opelewski, we're, we're really happy to have you with us. Welcome to Hope Renewed. Sean and Tom, thanks for inviting me to be a guest today. I'm honored. Why don't we start by just having you tell us a little bit about your journey in ministry and what led you to found Converge Coaching. So I, uh, I became a, a follower of Jesus at age 16. <clears throat> Grew up in a, in a uh, uh, liturgical uh, tradition, uh, but found uh, that uh, to be a real struggle uh, to connect to. And uh, I had a good friend across the street who kept bringing me to his church. And uh, uh, one day at a Christian concert, I, I gave my life to Jesus. And it, I mean, a dramatic conversion and uh, best decision I ever made. So that was at age 16. And a year, about a year after that, following Christ and, and, and really uh, getting involved in, in uh, a youth group and with people, I, I began to sense this call, this nudge uh, toward pastoral ministry. And um, so I, uh, when I graduated from high school, spent a year in uh, a college here in Michigan, but then went to Oral Roberts University 
to, uh, to get my degree. And then uh, once I left Oral Roberts University, uh, uh, graduated from there, got right into uh, church uh, ministry as a youth pastor at a church plant and, uh, and then a youth pastor at a, a much larger church in uh, Saginaw, Michigan. And uh, uh, so eight years as a youth pastor and then uh, seven years as a lead pastor. And uh, what happened as a lead pastor, I found out something that lead pastoring is a lot different than youth pastoring. Uh, Amen. You know, just a, a, different, uh, a different entity altogether. And um, about four years in, as a lead pastor, guys, I went through a steep depression. Uh, now, that was a long time ago. That was 28 years ago. And I didn't know what it was. There wasn't a lot of conversation in the church back then about things like anxiety and depression. But I was in the fight of my life. I, uh, it was, it was uh, uh, on the border of suicidal. And uh, everything was going great. At the church, we were growing, having the best year of our tenure. We were, I think, about four years in to that. And uh, so the church was growing. People were giving their lives to Jesus, getting baptized in water. Finances were great. Uh, married to this beautiful young lady and have four boys. And we have a house with a pool. I mean, everything was just like on the outside was amazing. But on the inside, I, I was falling apart. Uh, from an emotional perspective. And uh, finally, uh, my wife got me to, a, 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 my doctor got me to a counselor and they put a name to it. And they, they said, John, you're suffering with major depression. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that experience uh, was, a, it was a long road back from that. Uh, I, I'd like to tell everybody, if you get to that point, that you're going to get healed up in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> no, it was years, yeah. really, to get back to a place where I felt healthy again and, and strong again. And uh, so I hung in there for a couple of years more, about two and a half years later, or later and I uh, resigned uh, from that role, went into the corporate world. Uh, and interestingly enough, I guess it's interesting to me. I found that I was pastoring people in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that it, you know that calling to pastor. I think is is there for the rest of my life. It's just it gets expressed in different ways uh, over the course of my life. And uh, but it was while I was in the corporate world, guys, that pastors started to find me. And so I would have breakfast with the pastor, and they would just pour their heart out to me about how depressed they were and how anxious they were. And, you know, I had a story, right? I, so, and I would uh, share my journey with them and encourage them. And, and then another pastor would have breakfast with me. And pretty soon the word got out and pastors started beating a path to my door. And I'm working full time in the corporate world. It, it started to really this thing. I didn't, it didn't even have structure around it. But it started to take on some form of, wow, there's a need here that um, I didn't know was as uh, severe as it, as it really was. So I was praying. This was 10 years ago, by the way, in March of 2011, just praying one morning like I normally do. And I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, John, I want you to spend more time with leaders. I didn't know what that meant at the moment, but what that kicked off was a two-year journey that 
ended up in us launching this ministry called Converge Coaching in 2013. What really triggered the depression? Well, you know, it's more than one thing. I was working too hard. So my, uh, my schedule was out of whack. And when you work too hard, your relationships tend to suffer. Hmm. And so I was missing that um, wonderful strength that replenishing relationships bring to you. Hmm. Um, I didn't know how to manage my anger, guys. You know, I, I grew up in a home where anger was suppressed until it wasn't. So that was my model. And then I gave my life to Jesus. And I thought, well, Christians don't get angry, right? I mean, we, I didn't understand the place and role of anger. And then I became a pastor. And so I, I mistakenly thought, well, I can't express my anger. I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor. I just got to suck it up, right? <laughs> and what I didn't understand is that that submerging of anger was, was really doing a number on my brain chemistry. Um, and there's physiological and scientific connections between how we manage anger and our level of mental and emotional well-being. So I, I think those were uh, three really key contributors. Plus, I didn't know how to handle difficult people. Mm. And, you know, they go to church. Difficult people go to church. And, and sometimes they can be mean and nasty. And uh, I didn't have the, the, the skill set or the tools in my kit to be able to push back. So I think all of those, uh, Tom, were contributors. And, and thank you for sharing that because I think they're, you know, those are the unspoken things that I think often pastors right. recognize uh, are, are present there, but don't know what to do with. And like you say, well, at least this is how I felt. You know, I'm a pastor. I, I shouldn't be that way. Right. Uh, and that was reinforced, I think, by the perspectives that were fed back to me by others. You know, mm -hmm. well, you're the pastor. Yeah. You don't get angry. It's like, okay, right. I guess I better do something with this whole big piece of anger I'm feeling right now. And, and you know, guys, the, um, this isn't a thought that is, is my own, but I was, uh, we were doing a podcast with a guy uh, last, actually uh, last week, uh, we recorded a couple of weeks ago, we recorded, and he said something about that. He said, you know what, we over-spiritualize the role of pastor and when we do that, we dehumanize mm -hmm. a man or woman in that role. And I thought, man, that is one of the most profound things I've, I think I've heard in a long time. And we do it to ourselves and we let people do it to us. Yeah. 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 You know, John, one of the things you said that really resonated with me was that, that idea that you were holding on to anger. And uh, the uh, one of the things that I... I tell my clients as I'm coaching them through burnout mm -hmm. is that a lot of times some of our unexpressed grief will show up as anger mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and some of our, our sadness that we experience, the loss that, that just comes along with pastoral ministry right. will show up as anger. And, and the longer we hold on to those things, the more the weight builds. It's not just right. like we can set it aside, but over time, these unexpressed emotions uh, just overwhelm us. Yeah. Um, would you say that was consistent with your experience of depression and anger? Yeah, no doubt about it. Mm. I mean, you've kind of captured it uh, beautifully. I would, I, you know, somebody would say something to me that was out of line. They would do something to me that was out of line. 
Um, I would suffer a loss. You know, I think one of the losses we all suffer as pastors is people leaving. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, people who that we love and care about and and discipled and poured into. And they say, hey, we feel like God's calling us somewhere else. And sometimes that was legitimate. And sometimes that was not legitimate. It was an excuse. And there's pain associated with that. Right. And so, um, you know, anger, I think anger is really a secondary emotion. There are things going on beneath the surface that are, are fueling it. Um, it, it uh, and a lot of times it is loss or it is fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I find it really to be true even now, like when I get, when I, when I have a hundred dollar response to a $5 issue, um, <laughs> it's like, okay, I think I'm afraid of something here. What is that? What am I? Am I afraid of losing control? Am mm-hmm. I? Am I afraid of being disrespected? Am I afraid that I'm not going to be loved and cared for? And that ex- that fear often expresses itself in anger. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think you've really captured it perfectly, Sean. So in in your journey, you came to a point of of recognizing that um, God wasn't done with you yet. Right. Uh, even though you went through this crisis time. And uh, I, I kind of have a maxim that, that I share uh, and that's been shared with me that our call doesn't change, but our context often does. Yes. And, and you kind of express that, that even in the workplace, you still have these pastoral gifts at work. So there was a sense that there's this um, kind of this line or this trajectory that's working through our lives and, and this concept then of aligning ourselves to, to, to that purpose. Uh, So alignment is a central concept to, to your ministry. And uh, I, I think of two things when I think of alignment and I hope I'm not stealing any thunder here. Uh, One is the time I went to a chiropractor And just getting everything aligned. And, you know, he, he taught me that, you know, there is that central line in our, our physical body that our spine is, is central to our whole body and getting everything aligned that way. The other was a front end alignment in your car. And I, I looked this up. I thought this was fascinating. So definition of a front end alignment, adjusting the angles of wheels on a car often to reduce wear to ensure straight travel without pulling to one side or the other right. and to improve overall driving performance. Yeah. Wow. What a powerful picture of alignment. So what does alignment look like in a pastor's life? Well, let me, let me just uh, piggyback on that for a minute, Tom, and say this, that um, when we're out of alignment, everything seems harder. Hmm. I mean, everything seems harder. The more alignment I, I get into the more effortless things become, uh, the, the easier it is for me to uh, f- move forward uh, without there being compensate. I don't have to compensate for aches and pains and, uh, and limitations as much because I'm in alignment. Hmm. Uh, so we wrote a book uh, a while back. Uh, actually, it came out um, uh, this uh and we'll talk a little bit about it right now. I guess it was, it's called uh, uh, Unshakable Leader. And Sean, you mentioned that in the uh, intro. And the subtitle is The Simple Yet Amazing Power of Alignment. And so I, I think brilliant minds could disagree about what I'm, uh, I'm going to share with you guys. 
so this is my perspective on it. Mm -hmm. um, after uh, many, many years of working with leaders and their in the churches that they serve. So I think alignment starts with understanding three big ideas. And, and those ideas are ownership, network, and rhythms. And I'll just explain them real quickly. Ownership is this idea that I'm, as a leader, I'm responsible for my emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. My board is not responsible for that. My spouse is not responsible for that. The people I serve in the church, I lead, are not responsible for that. I own that. That is, that's my baby. That's ownership. Network is this whole idea that I won't be able to be in alignment by myself. Mm. I need a network. I need friendship. I need mentors. I need my doctor. I need uh, my, a counselor uh, on a seasonal uh, basis. I need, I need a great relationship with my spouse. I need a network to be aligned. And then the third big idea is this idea of rhythms. Uh, Tom, you had mentioned earlier about this whole idea of balance, right? And, and mm -hmm. that there's the spinning of plates and you're trying to balance it all. We, we use the word rhythms because we think that's a little bit uh, easier to get our arms around. And there are rhythms of work and rest. There are rhythms of solitude and community. Um, there are rhythms of personal time alone with the Lord and then corporate time gathering with like-minded believers. Um, so those are the three big ideas. Mm -hmm. And then those ideas serve as a foundation for the next five components. There's five pieces, then five behaviors, uh, five, five things that really contribute to being aligned uh, in your personal life. That first one is spiritual hunger. Uh, believe it or not, pastors struggle here. And uh, so we talk a lot with pastors about maintaining regular times of meaningful connection with God, uh, how important it is to encounter him privately. And, and that's the foundation. It's just foundational. And I imagine to, to separate that spiritual hunger from sermon preparation or uh, Bible study leadership. A hundred percent. You know, I shouldn't be shocked by what I hear pastors telling me and, and this isn't all pastors, so don't, I don't want you to misunderstand, but there are, is a significant percentage of pastors who the only time they get in the word is to prepare messages. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we start with, okay, you're not spending any devotional time with the Lord at all. Let's, let's work on that first. We, we, we want to get that, get you into a good rhythm uh, with that. If you're a leader and you're listening today, I want you to remember why you signed up for the ministry in the first place. And it's because God did something spectacular in your life. He called you to himself before he ever called you to do a thing for him. Mm. And, uh, and so that, that is such a struggle. I remember that as a struggle as a lead pastor. I'm reading something and, and, and God is intending that passage of scripture to speak to me personally. And I'm thinking, hmm, this would be a great message. <laughs> and, and so that struggle is, is real. Yeah. And um, we don't, we don't um, condemn pastors who struggle. We, we come alongside, we say, look, we just want to help you 
grow in that area. And so we, we, we do that. So that's the first uh, alignment component. The second one is physical fitness. And this is, this is a, this has been undervalued by leaders forever. And, and, and we believe that you can serve God better and longer when you're fit. Mm. So uh, part of being aligned is integrating exercise and nutrition and, and enough sleep to keep your body healthy and strong. Um, the third piece is psychological integration. And, and that sounds fancy, but it's real simple. It's just getting our thought processes aligned with truth and, and then identifying and owning the emotions we attach to those thought processes. You know, the way we think impacts our personal health and it also impacts our leadership influence. Uh, the power of our mind is in, I, I think we have underestimated how influential the way we think uh, is on everything we do mm-hmm. in ministry in, per, in, in our personal life. So that's the third piece. Fourth piece of alignment is replenishing relationships. God said about Adam in, a, in Genesis chapter two, it is not good for the man to be alone. And he said that about Adam before the fall of man. So Adam was living in perfection. He had a perfect relationship with Father God. There was no, no hindrance between him and the Lord. They used to hang out in the garden every day. And God said, in the middle of perfection, this guy needs somebody else to do life with. I think loneliness and isolation is really and truly one of the biggest struggles for lead pastors, especially lead pastors. Uh, And I'm not diminishing that that could happen to associate pastors, Mm -hmm. but that lead pastor role is uniquely isolating. And, and this is an area where so many men and women are struggling in in their ministry. And then last one is, uh, and we already touched on this, so I won't really give any definition. Last piece of alignment is life giving rhythms. So you don't have to do 50 things to be in alignment. You just need to do a few. You know, you, you were mentioning about psychological integration and, and our thought processes. And um, it struck me, it's, it's not just how we think, it's what we think about how we think. Yeah. And the internal dialogue that we create that's either given to us or, or that we master on our own. Right. Um, and, and the language we use to talk to ourselves about how we're thinking uh, yes. can be so damaging uh, or so life-giving. Correct. Absolutely. hundred percent. So what, what are, and, and we kind of address this a little bit, but what are some of the things that you find that, that cause pastors to, to just get out of alignment? Uh, there's a lot um, of things. Let me, let me, I'm thinking about three mm-hmm. uh, things that I see quite a bit. Uh, the first one is, is just ig- ignorance. Some pastors have never been told they should pay attention to this. And so they they just don't know. And I think that causes some of them to get out of alignment. I think another one is arrogance. Uh, they've been told, but they think anxiety and depression will never happen to me. Never happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, that, that just happens to weaklings. Uh, that'll never happen to me. So there's, there's an arrogance. Uh, and, and within that arrogance, sometimes, uh, uh, Tom, I think that is self-imposed, that's self-generated. Uh, uh, and other times it's been modeled to them. Mm-hmm. 
So the, the, the pastors maybe that they cut their teeth under have been workaholics or non-teachable or when the subject of emotions ever came up, uh, they were told, ignore your emotions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think Jesus teaches us a different thing. He, I think he teaches us to pay attention to our emotions, but not be controlled by them. Yeah. And uh, so I think arrogance can be a factor in misalignment. And then the third one, and this might be, sound a little weird, but I'll explain success mm. can get you out of alignment. And I know that from personal experience, that success is seductive. It is, uh, there is this false sense of invincibility during seasons of great growth that can overcome you as a leader. And, and you, 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 you are experiencing momentum. You are riding the wave, so to speak. And, uh, and here's what happens to us. Uh, we often take on more than is reasonable. Mm-hmm. I think I, you know, I can take on one more client. I can take on one more speaking event. I can take on one more consulting engagement. And, and what, here's what begins to happen when we're successful, if we're not uh, cautious is we end up working longer days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we get less sleep. Uh, we eat too much of the wrong things and we neglect those relationships that fill our bucket. So I, I'm sure there are other things that would contribute to misalignment, but these mm-hmm. are three that I see a lot, ignorance, arrogance, and success. Yeah. So you've mentioned some of these warning lights. Are, are there other kinds of, of warning signs that, you know, you're, you're getting out of alignment and mm-hmm. uh, you need to pay attention to things? I think so. I think, uh, I think if your irritability level is heightened, mm. so that's a, that's a flag, that's a warning sign. That's a, that's a dashboard light. Yeah. Um, uh, not being excited about the work God's given you. And I think you can maintain that first love at the same time, lose passion for the work God's given you. Mm. And so I, I, I don't know that they're always influencing each other. They can, mm-hmm. but I'll say this, my, my passion for Jesus was intense up to the day I crashed into the wall of major depression. So the discipline of spending time with the Lord every day, getting in the word, memorizing scripture, uh, that was just part of my daily life. So the passion for Jesus was there, but I wasn't paying attention to the emotional side of my Mm. life. And, you know, there's a different set of behaviors that fill your emotional tank as opposed to behaviors that fill your, your spiritual tank. They're, they're Mm -hmm. separate tanks and there's crossover between them. They influence each other, but I can pray every day for the rest of my life and read scripture every day for the rest of my life. And if I'm not paying attention to those warning signals, I'm not being preventive. um, I will find myself in trouble. Mm. Um, so, so I think a loss of passion for your work is a, is an indicator. I think, um, uh, fatigue and inability to concentrate hard time making decisions, um, insomnia, mm. um, or hypersomnia, which is the opposite of insomnia. Yeah. All of those are, those were all happening to me. And I didn't know how to read those warning signs. I mean, again, Nobody talked about this stuff 28 years ago, but all of those were, were warning signals from the Lord 
to say, John, something's wrong in your life. And um, you, there is this invisible wall of depression and anxiety that you're about to slam into. It's not very much longer and you're going to have a serious accident. And so if you're listening and you're experiencing some of those symptoms, don't dismiss that. Don't, don't minimize that. That's a God-given warning signal to you that something is out of kilter, out of alignment in your life. And you need probably going to need help to figure that out. Yeah. I, I was thinking that it, you know, the kind of the initial call is to a good self-awareness, yes, uh, self-attentiveness, but then don't leave it there. Then, then it's embracing the community. And, and as you said, in, in your point there of, of really having a network uh, right. of, uh, I call it a ring of resource in mm -hmm. your life uh, to take these things to and say, yes. okay, I'm recognizing this. And boy, doesn't arrogance keep us from doing that? Yes. Uh, either that sense of I can manage this myself or this will be too embarrassing if I do this. And oh, right. But we have to get past that. Yeah, you, you got it. And, and you know, um, I, I was so blessed 28 years ago to have that. Mm -hmm. My wife, uh, amazing woman ran interference for me. So she, she put three amazing couples around me, guys who loved me, prayed for me, laughed with me, didn't expect anything out of me mm. uh, while I was healing up. And she ran interference and kept people who were nasty, mean, I, I just was in no shape to deal with people like that. And, and so she ran interference for me. Um, and, and so I, I want to just give a shout out to her real quick, if that's okay, to say, Absolutely. you know, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Laura mm -hmm. and, and the, the swift action that she took in my life. I needed her to do that for me because I could not do that for myself. John, you wrote a book called uh, Unshakable You, and it's a great little book, um, so concise and yet filled with, with detail. Uh, what led you to write this book? And can you briefly walk us through those the five choices of emotionally healthy people? Sure. So as I, I mentioned earlier, I've been working with pastors at that level, uh, on the level of emotional and mental health for years prior to writing this book. But in 2015, we were traveling a lot. Uh, we were all over the country, even into Europe in 2015. And um, both my wife and I were amazed. Well, maybe amazed isn't the right word. We were sobered by the number of people who were indicating to us that they were suffering with depression. I would tell my story in detail. Mm. Um, and, and, at churches of 800, let's say, as an example, there would be 200 people Wow! who said, I'm going through the exact same thing. Yeah. And that happened in church after church, state after state, yeah. even in Europe. And I thought, I have to write something for the masses. So, you know, our, our, our ministry is primarily to leaders, but I thought I cannot ignore the fact that there are, there are millions of people who are suffering from this, who aren't leaders, they're, they're lay people and they need a resource. So we wrote the book uh, for the masses, for, for lay, lay people, even though a leader can pick that book up and learn a lot. 
And so the five choices, I, you know, you'll, you'll kind of get the idea that I like simplicity. You know? So you notice it's not 50 choices. It's just, it's just five. And uh, I'll walk you through them real quick. Uh, the first choice is to love yourself. Matthew 22, Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. That word as in Greek is a connector word, and it means in the same manner as. And so the greatest commandment's a three-parter. Love God fully, to love our neighbor, and to also love ourselves. And essentially the way I, I, I ca- encapsulate that is this, learning how to become your own best friend instead of your own worst critic. Mm-hmm. God has not called you to be beating yourself up. You know, we treat ourselves with our words toward ourselves. If we treated our friends that way, they wouldn't be our friends anymore. Mm-hmm. And so learning how to be kind to ourselves, learning how to value what God has placed within us, becoming our own best friend. That's, that's the first choice. Second choice is telling anger where to go. Now we've already talked a ton about anger, so I I won't spend a whole lot of time there, but here's, here's what I've figured out that if I don't tell anger where to go, it's going to take me to places I don't want to go. Mm -hmm. Wow. Anger doesn't dissipate on its own. I have to direct it in a, in a, in a healthy way, or else it is going to take me to a place of depression. It's going to take me to a place of fractured relationships. Um, so that's the second uh, choice. The third choice is to protect ourselves from abuse. Interestingly enough, when I talk on this subject, I, I, have, I have more people get up and walk out, guys, <laughs> when I talk about this than any other thing I teach on. And I think it's because it's painful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they can't, they, they're in, a, in an abusive relationship or have been in an abusive relationship and the rawness is still there. But, but look, Paul said to Timothy, Alexander, the metal worker, this is second uh, Timothy chapter four, Alexander, the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. You would do well to be on your guard against him. And there are certain people in the congregations that a leader leads who are Alexander the metal worker types Hmm. who aren't just difficult people. They're dangerous people. They're toxic. And Paul is giving us a warning that there are people who want to do you a great deal of harm. It's your job as a leader to learn how to protect yourself uh, Hmm. from that. And so that's the third choice. Uh, Fourth choice is to fill your emotional tank. And we've kind of been touching on that along the way here. Um, But let me just say this, if you're a leader and you would do yourself a huge favor, if you would learn and discover what is it that fills your tank and then schedule that part of in in your week, Mm -hmm. that every week I'm doing something that is filling the tank. For me, I like going to the beach and watching the water, live in Michigan, right? The, the, the Great Lake State. There's nothing like being on a beach for me and watching waves for a couple of hours. And I feel rejuvenated. I feel energized. And that might not, that doesn't do it for everybody. But for me, that does it. Uh, mm-hmm. Spending time with people who make me laugh 
Uh, I tend to be a super serious person. So God has put some really funny people in my life <laughs> and I've needed them. They, they've, they've been such a wonderful tank filling uh, uh, source uh, for me. So figure out what is it that really fills my tank up. And then I'm going to make that part of my life on a regular basis. And then the last choice is to stay alert. You know, you may have gone through a serious depression or bout of anxiety, and now you're on the other side of it and you're doing well. Um, I, I, I wrote this last chapter in the book because it is so easy to fall back into bad habits. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to think, well, I've, I've conquered the beast. I can go back to a sloppy way of living, emotionally speaking, and I'll be okay. And nothing could be further from the truth. So those are the five uh, real quick for you guys. I do love the simplicity of it. And I know you wrote it for the masses, but my goodness, <laughs> how applicable this is to, to pastors and ministry leaders. I think so. Because after all, they are human too, right? Right. Uh, and uh, these are just fundamental um, choices of, of health. Pastor, do you feel tired, stuck, or frustrated in ministry? A ministry coach can help. At PIR, our staff are trained coaches who can come alongside you as thinking partners. Here is what one pastor says about PIR coaching. My coach was not only a great ministry coach, but a great friend at a time when I didn't believe that anyone was for me. His ability to ask the right and often hard questions, to listen, and to discern the real issues helped me get more out of this experience than I anticipated. I'm so thankful for my coach, for PIR, and for the opportunity to participate in this experience. To learn more, visit PIRministries.org. Go to the Ministries tab and select Clergy Coaching. Um, I know with Converge Coaching, just in the name of it, that, that coaching and mentoring is um, a method that, that you rely on pretty heavily mm -hmm. to, to help uh, pastors and ministry leaders access this, these truths and, and these practices. How do you see a coaching uh, relationship being unique and beneficial for pastors and ministry leaders? That's such a good question. I, I think of things like this, uh, Tom and Sean, I think of safety. Mm. Pastors crave a safe place where they can share what's really going on in their lives. Mm. Uh, so much of mentoring and coaching is listening and, uh, and letting somebody unpack their struggles uh, to you asking good questions. You know, it's not possible for me to be an expert in everything. Now I have areas where I, I have expertise and, but there are, there are times a pastor will throw one at me guys. Uh, and I have no idea mm. <laughs> what to do. I, I can, do you Never have that happens too? Us. Oh, I, yeah, found. Sure. <laughs> I found that if I ask just some good, solid, reflective questions and let them start to talk, Many, many times they are able to essentially answer their own question. And I feel like part of what we do is we're that impartial second voice in the life of a pastor who pretty many times knows what to do, but they just need that affirming voice in their ear mm -hmm. uh, that is uh, helping them to feel better about a decision. I'll give you an example. I was talking with a pastor just this week 
and this is a conversation I have multiple times in a week with leaders about, hey, there's somebody on my team that's not performing well, uh, or they have attitude issues. Um, I'm thinking about uh, reassigning them or maybe even going, you know, to the point of letting them go. And, um, and I think deep down, these guys and gals know what they need to do. Mm-hmm. But part of my job is to help them tap into what they're afraid about when it comes to that decision. Mm-hmm. So I'll often ask a pastor, what are you afraid about here? And it's amazing what they share with me. So I, I look at the mentoring and coaching role that way uh, as well. But I'm telling you, pastors need uh, mentors and coaches in their lives. Every athlete who's excellent at what they do has a coach. Mm-hmm. They have multiple coaches. Uh, any business executive worth his salt or her salt has an executive coach in their life. Why do we feel like as pastors, we're doing the most important work in the world. Why wouldn't we need a coach or a mentor who loves us, who cares for us, and and, and is somebody who can help us get better at what we're doing? So super passionate about that, uh, that whole area of mentors and coaches. Hope I answered your question for you. Yeah. And I think, you know, what what we experience, I'm sure you experience this too, is um, just a reluctance for pastors and ministry leaders to access coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always take it back to a conversation I had with my leaders before my uh, time of crisis, uh, where I was really uh, learning about coaching and thinking, wow, I I think I could really use a coach now, brought it up to them and and the comment back to me in love and, and support was, oh, you don't need a coach. You should be a coach. <laughs> and, and okay, I, I, I appreciate that. But uh, it, it was reinforcing in me the sense of good pastors don't need coaches. Yeah, and I think, I, I think that might be one of the most ridiculous thoughts a leader can have. I mean, it just, it, it, that doesn't work anywhere Hmm. in the world. Why do we think it would work in the kingdom? I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I used to feel that way, but now that I've been in this so long, that mentality is like, come on. So what they said to you was, was actually complimentary, but it wasn't helpful. No, not at all. It didn't help you. Yeah. So, yeah, there, yeah. there is that, you know, I, I think I see that turning guys. I, I don't know if you're noticing that too, but I see more openness. Yeah. I think denominationally, what we're observing is denominations are getting smarter about this because they're seeing the, you know, the, the devastation of the health of their leaders. And, they, and they're saying, we have got to do something about this and get mm-hmm. in front of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're seeing more denominational uh, uh, entities saying, you know what, we, we, we're going to make, we're going to commit resources to this and we're going to, we're going to give our, our capital, our leadership credibility to these types of things. So I'm encouraged about that. So John, as we uh, get near the end uh, of our time together, um, how can people connect with you online? Yeah. The best way for people to connect to us is just to go to our website, convergecoach.com. 
And uh, there is a, a, a contact link there. If you click on that and you want to uh, talk with us, um, start a conversation, we, we offer like a free 30 minutes, uh, guys. Uh, so somebody can call me and talk to me for a half hour and just say, hey, here's what's going on uh, in our church. Here's what's going on in my life, my marriage. And, um, you know, we figure out if we can help them. And if we can, then, you know, the, that moves forward. If they can't, if we can't help them, then we get them to somebody who can. Mm. So that that's uh, that's the best way. Or you can use my email address, uh, john at convergecoach.com. Com. And there's information about your resources, the books and, and absolutely on the website for sure. Yeah, you'll see you'll see the whole array of what we do. Good. Well, why don't we uh, just end our podcast as we're we commonly do by asking uh, what words of hope do you have for discouraged pastors? I thought a lot about this one. And um, so I, I like to just share four quick things with anybody who's listening, who's discouraged today. The first one is to hang in there. Uh, brighter days are ahead. Uh, try not to make career-altering decisions when you're not healthy. Um, so just hang in there. Uh, two, don't attend every argument you're invited to. Hmm. Jesus it was asked to be an arbiter between a man and his brother about some sort of estate or inheritance. And Jesus said, who appointed me judge between you two? Jesus didn't attend every argument he was invited to. And is so tempting as a leader to do that. And I want to encourage you not to. Here's the third thing. Care for your spirit, your mind, your emotions, and your body. Take care of yourself. Um, that will help you. Believe it or not, if you do that, that will help your discouragement uh, level. And then here's the fourth one. If you feel overwhelmed, uh, it's very important that you know you're not alone. There, there's people to help you. Sean can help you. Tom can help you. In Verge Coaching, we're here to help. The burden that you're carrying is too heavy for you to carry it by yourself. And when you share that burden with somebody, it's automatically reduced by 50%. It's automatically cut in half. So those would be the, the if I could just reach out and, and appeal to all of those who are listening who might be feeling that way. Those would be the four things that I would just say. Uh, John, so thank you so much for taking the time to come on Hope Renewed and share uh, not just your experience, but your story. I think sometimes it's the stories that we tell that open up the, the space for pastors to come forward for help. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much for, for coming and just sharing your life with us today. Yeah, thank Thanks you, for having us, guys, or having me. I, I really appreciate it. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It is our prayer that as you align your heart to Christ's heart, you find his hope. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, 
the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame.